Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. It's good to be with you all. Good to be in church this morning. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord for sure. We are in our series, Summer in the Psalms. If you would, would you turn to Psalm 66 if you have a Bible with you? Uh, if you don't have one with you, you don't have it on your phone, it's in the YouVersion app as an event as well, but you can go to Psalm 66. It'll be on the screen as well. Uh, we have had just a ton of fun going through this series uh, all summer long, going through different Psalms. And, and for the most part, we really have tackled a Psalm at a time. Today, I really wanna address a theme that shows up throughout the Psalms, and that is the theme of Selah, Selah. It's this word, right? As you're going through Psalms, you'll just be reading through the different, the different stanzas, the different verses, and you'll come across the word Selah. And I've, I've noticed sometimes it's at the very end of a Psalm. Sometimes it's breaking up different verses within the Psalm. Sometimes it's like right smack dab in the middle, like the thought is not even finished, just like Selah, it keeps going. You're like, what does that mean? And what we'll talk about today is there's not a lot of clarity on what it means, but there is a lot of value in the principle that we can glean from it. So I just want to read Psalm 66 for us this morning. It kind of gives us maybe just an anchoring verse or an idea of where we'll unpack this theme. Uh, But then we'll go from there. This, This word is going to show up 71 times throughout the Psalms. It shows up three other times in the book of Habakkuk and then some other times earlier in the Bible, but those are actually addressing the place Selah, not the word Selah. This word Selah, comes from this Hebrew root meaning to hang, to hang, which is, it, it's kind of that feeling. It's this leaving you hanging. There's a few different ideas of what Selah might mean. Scholars will argue about it. There's no real clear etymology of this word, but what it, what it could mean most likely is it's either just a break in the music. So they're, so they're going along, singing the songs. Some of the Psalms are, are songs of, of ascent, songs that the Israelites would sing as they were making a pilgrimage towards the festivals every year. And they would be songs where it just is now, now Selah, and they would maybe just take a break from singing. Scholars also think it might be a, a musical interlude. So a time where the, the singing stops, what we're, what we're singing along with ceases, but it's a musical time where the music will keep going and we'll just listen to the instruments play for some time. Other people estimate that it's, it's possibly uh, just a complete intermission. So it's not just a quick breather. It's not just a break in the lyrics. It's just a total stop. Like, hey, let's just go. Let's go grab some snacks. Like we've been walking for a while, singing for a while. Let's just take a breather here and we'll come back and finish this thing up later. Here's my guess. I I think it's much more of an idea than than we, as we read back on the Bible, as we read back on what these songs or these Psalms mean, I think there is a principle in it just to stop and to pause and to think for a second. And so we'll talk about where this shows up in different spaces of your Bible, different areas of our life and of our services even. But before we do that, let's read this together. Psalm 66, 20 verses, hang in there. Psalm 66, starting in verse one, says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. I love that. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, Selah. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves, Selah. 
Notice the first stanza that we read is really like, no one is without excuse to not praise. Let all the earth rejoice. Everyone sing. Look at the wondrous acts that God has done. Now the psalmist turns his attention to what God has specifically done for Israel. They walked on dry ground. How marvelous are his deeds, Selah. He goes on to say in verse 8, Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. For you, O God, have tested us and you have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Selah. Come in here, all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. I, I love that line. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Isn't that just so good? That's so good. It's one of so many different Psalms that I could have chosen from. There, there are some Psalms that are eight verses long, like Psalm 3, that has Selah three different times. Psalm, Psalm 7 has 17 verses, has Selah one time. It seems so randomly dispersed throughout the Psalms, and yet the theme, I think, is clear. To hang, to wait, to ponder, to consider. All of these different kind of things. I, I want today to create for us a place where we can understand what Selah means, maybe corporately, as we gather every single Sunday where we see this playing out. But I also want to take us, uh, have us take away some things that we can go, I can apply that to my life starting today. I don't know about you, but like my, my week this last week, it's like I, I, I had to ask somebody, I was like, was it? I was talking to you, Caden. I was like, was it right that last Sunday was Celebration Sunday? Because I feel like I slept, I had a bunch of meetings, I did some stuff, I woke up, and then it was time for next Sunday again. Any of your guys' weeks just like vaporize like that? I, I need some moments to just breathe for a second, to hang, to, to, to lie in wait for Jesus, to just sit down and go, God, what are you doing here? So I don't want to get ahead of myself. But anyways, here we go. The first thing, the first space that I want to address where we see Selah is in worship, specifically in corporate praise. There are moments every single Sunday where we will have musical interludes, like one of the definitions for Selah, where we're not playing any, we're not, we're not having any words up on the screen. You'll hear Caden say that all the time. There's not gonna be anything up on the screen. Right now is your time for you to engage with the heart of the Father. And I, can I be really honest with you? That was super uncomfortable with me when Caden first started saying that a few years ago. Sing your own song? Bro, what? I can barely sing these songs, dude. Some of y'all can attest, right? I've been trying harmonies recently, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of wrong ones before there's right ones. You know what I'm saying? I, I have got to tell you, the corporate gathering, when the saints sing together in worship, is one of my favorite moments of every single week. There's a moment in every single worship set where I will stop singing, and I will just listen to you all carry the melody away. I think it's powerful. Psalm 133 shows us when the family of God stands together in unity, the spirit of God commands his blessing. And that's a powerful thing 
It's a powerful thing for us to gather together and to lift our voices, give our praise where our praise is due. That's a good thing. And the danger in you only ascribing praise to God in a corporate setting is that you would abdicate your personal engagement with the heart of God. So when we're singing songs like nothing else, Cody Carnes is brilliant. Come on, where are my desperation people at from this summer? He was, he was there. It was so good. He led us in worship. It was amazing. Cody Carnes writes this song, Nothing Else. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Next verse, next song, sermon, tracks, go, announcements, home, bed, whatever. You know what I mean? Like we just, we move, we go. It never stops. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Okay, God, see ya. That was awesome. Do you, do you notice the irony there when we're singing those verses? I, I, I didn't even know that that line was gonna come up in this sermon today. I just knew what I was preaching on. And I was like, that's perfect. I can use that. When we only sing together corporately, we're singing songs that somebody else wrote. We're letting somebody else perform them for us. And maybe we're singing along, maybe we're not. A lot of you maybe have this thing that I don't feel like I can sing in church. And I just wanna say, especially to some of you men that feel that way, get over it. It's your pride that keeps you from sounding a certain way from the people next to you. But the Psalms are clear. The Bible is clear. The word is clear. Sing to the Lord. Lift up your voice to the heavens. He's worth it, isn't he? So we sing, but if we're only singing songs that other people wrote, the, the danger in that is that we don't have to mentally engage at all. I can mentally be somewhere totally else, but I can be singing along with Cody Carnes. I've sang his songs enough times. But when we have Selah moments where it's just the instruments and Caden is not singing on the, on the mic or Jaden has backed off the mic and now it's kind of that awkward moment in worship where you're like, what should I be doing? Here, I'll get, let me give you some really just practical things that you could be doing. You could be praying. Think of something that you want to, God, holy is your name. God, you're so holy. You're so good. You don't even have to sing. Nobody around you is gonna know. That's the beauty of it. We try to keep the music, you wanna know how we try to measure the volume in our church? We try to keep the music right at that level where you can't hear everyone else singing and you feel like you're all alone singing by yourself and we wanna keep it right low enough so that it doesn't feel like the only thing you hear is the speakers, not the other people singing. You're like, that sounds like a a thin margin to walk on. Yeah, it is. Pray for all the sound guys because they do an incredible job, all right? But listen to me, that can move then, that can graduate. You take those Salem moments, those, those musical interludes, and you go, okay, now I can, I can pray. Maybe I can even pray something to a melody. Well, I can't make up a melody. Like, I don't know what it's like to write music. Tell you what, just rehearse the same melody that we've already sang in that song. Maybe just sing a different line from that song over again. Chew on it a little more. Let it just resonate a little bit louder in your heart. Don't just depend on everyone else to sing for you. It's a time where we get to align our whole selves, soul, Mind, spirit, everything is now engaged, going like, God, I want to sing something to you because there's power in the corporate gathering. But don't let that abdicate your individual responsibility to engage with the heart of God. And so I don't know what that, look, this is not like, I just want you to know, this isn't just a Caden value. It's a church value that we prioritize encounter over entertainment. It is so easy to slip into entertainment on Sunday mornings. This band is amazing. They're really good. They're singing songs that we've thought over, prayed over. We consider them weightily before we sing them on Sunday mornings. And and they're singable. They're they're accessible for us. We can sing them. But the danger in just doing that is you just come in here every single week and you're entertained. 
you're not seeking out a personal encounter. And we'll get some more of that later, but if we don't have personal encounter, then what are we even really doing? This is no different than a football game or some sort of rally moment. This is not what that is. It's a gathering of the family to cry out for an encounter with the spirit of the living God. Amen? So that's the first place where I want to unpack Selah. There's going to be these moments, and, and, and it's funny, like I think people sometimes, you'll think to yourself like, man, I just, I wish worship was like 10 minutes shorter. And I would say worship could be 10 minutes shorter. Worship could totally be 10 minutes shorter every single Sunday. But if you want to go to the church where worship's 18 minutes, the whole thing's on a track, whole thing's on a click, the sermon's 28 minutes on the button, the worship, the host comes up and they give a two minute and 30 second announcement. They don't go one minute over and their service is done in 48 minutes. You can go to that church. That's not this church. That's not us. This is a family gathering. We're sitting together, enjoying a meal together. We're taking some time greeting each other. We're here as family seeking encounter, not entertainment. That's who we are. That's what we do. So the second space that I want to talk about it is we talk about Selah and worship. I also want to talk about Selah in the word. Selah in the word. Selah, when it is listed, especially at the end of the psalm, I think what it gives us weight for is it's probably not a musical interlude if it's at the end of all the verses. It could be. But sometimes what I think the the author or the psalmist is inviting us to consider is, is rehearse what's just been said. Not as in sing it again, but as in think about it. Stop and pause, like marinate on that truth. Just a little, I, I thought of during worship, I was just like, I wanna read some, uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Now, do you agree with me? We could, we could stop and we could just sit on that verse for just a little bit and think about it. I wouldn't have to do a lot of talking. Just get out your own Bible. To him who is able to do far more abundantly. I have that circled with a question mark in my Bible. God, what does that mean for you to do far more abundantly than anything that I could ask or think? What's going on in your life right now? You can see an outcome that looks okay. You can see outcomes that you think look less favorable. What about the outcome that is far more abundantly than anything you could ever dream up in your own pea-sized brain to go, God, what, are, what do you want to do with this? Could you, could you sit on that for a little bit? Could you chew on that truth for just a little while? According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever. The power at work within us, I mean the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that now dwells in me, that now dwells in you. You think we walk in that power all the time? You think we think about that power all the time? You could use a Selah moment in Ephesians 3.20, I think is what I'm trying to tell you right now. The same power that put life into a dead Hebrew teacher's body now lives in you. What does that mean for your life? I don't know. You should stop and chew on it for a little bit this week. I just think we don't spend enough time chewing on the word. I think a lot of us are good at reading the word. And this is totally, I'm just telling you right now, this is where my personality falls. I I get to the word sometimes, I get to my Bible reading plan and I'm like, man, I've got this checklist. I've got a certain amount of chapters that I got to do today. I got to sit down for a certain amount of time and then boom, I could check, I even get it in my Bible app. You know what I'm saying? You push that little button, it checks it off and it shows you your plan, shows you how much progress you made. And you're like, that's nice for us type A list makers in the room, am I right? That's nice. But sometimes I read that verse and I go back 30 minutes in my day and I'm like, what was, what chapters was I in this morning? You guys ever feel that, feel that way? I want to, I want to, like it says in, in Colossians, 
Let's go to Colossians 3, Lorenzo. I'm sorry. I'm keeping you on your toes. Like I said, I would, though, bro. I skipped a verse. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Y'all remember when Pastor Kent would be up here with that little uh, cup of water, and he'd drop a tea bag in there for a half a second? He's like, will you call this tea? It's like, no. I'll never forget that analogy. It was so good. What are you supposed to do with tea? You let that sucker steep for a little bit, right? Like, you, you throw that tea bag in there, and you wait a few minutes. This is how it should be when we read the word. Let it dwell in us richly. Let it teach us. Let it admonish us. Uh, all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We should, we should be reading scripture to learn, to glean, not just to check a box. And I know we, we know that's true, but I think so often our days, man, they just get going. Kids always wake up earlier when I get up earlier to read my Bible. I promise you. If you have young kids in your house, you're like, I'm gonna get up early this morning. Somehow in their brains, they're like, yeah, me too, bro. It's gonna be awesome. We're gonna hang out. <laughs> For every single one of us, the enemy would love to thwart your plans to spend time soaking in God's word. I think the enemy would love to keep you in a relationship with the word of God where you just read it real quick and move on with the rest of your day and forget what you read. Because then you're the Christian that gets to put the little spiritual notch on your little belt and you get to go, I read my Bible today. And it's like, well, what did you read? Holy Spirit's like, what did I teach you today? And you're like, wow, no, I forgot. I think I'm somewhere in Job. That book's long. He's miserable. <laughs> Look here, in all seriousness, here are some questions. You could jot these down in the margin of your Bible. You could jot them down somewhere in a notes app. You could just write these down. I think this is helpful to make you slow down as you read the word so that you're chewing on it, so that it's dwelling in you so you're letting it soak and marinate. The first thing that you gotta ask yourself is, do I understand this? Look, don't let your ego come in when you're reading your Bible. There's a lot of Bible reading that happens, even in my life, where I'm like, what is going on here? You know? Like you read this and you're like, I don't understand anything that's going on. Ask yourself, do I understand this? We, we live in this day and age where there's this, uh, like the Bible project. Oh my gosh, have you not heard of the Bible project? I would just, I would tell every single person in our church, before you start reading any book of the Bible, at least go see what the Bible project has to say on that book of the Bible. You'll understand the context. You understand the letter to Ephesians is not just some random book that got dropped in your Bible. It was a letter that Paul wrote to a region of churches in the region of Ephesus. He was writing to encourage them against some teachings that were coming into the church. He was writing to build them up a little bit. And once you understand that context, then chapter one starts to make a whole lot more sense when you start reading it. Ask yourself a question. Don't just parachute into your Bible blindly and start reading and be like, mm, that's okay, I don't know what's happening. Ask yourself the context. What's the context for this passage? Why was this being written? What style of writing is this? Is it wisdom literature? Is it a letter? Is it, is it ancient history from the people of God, from the nation of Israel? All of those things matter. All of those things play with how you engage with scripture. So ask yourself first, do I understand it? And if you don't, don't pretend you do. Oh my gosh. Just say, I don't understand this. Jump online, grab a commentary, grab a, even better, grab a friend, grab some coffee and talk about it with somebody. Seek to understand what you're reading. Don't just blitz through it. The second thing I like to ask myself is, am I living in alignment with this passage? So, uh, before you just blitz through your Bible reading plan, check off your four chapters for the day, get your little blue check and you feel all good about it. And it's not a blue check. I know that's like Instagram, Twitter, used to be. It's gone though, right? Anyways, don't get stuck there. Get your little check mark and you move on with your day. Right, but have you ever let the word confront you? 
am I living in alignment with this passage right here? Does this, does this actually reflect who I am? A great way to actually ask this question is not for you to ask it of yourself, because you always think of yourself a little better than what you actually are, is my guess, because that's like me. So I like to get some friends around me. Hey, when I read this passage, does that, does that line up with who you think I am? Am I living in alignment with this passage? Third thing I like to ask is, how can I apply this to my life? If I'm reading about the story of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, I'm reading things about how he interacted with people, how he loved people, how he served other people. I'm going, okay, God, where, surely I'm deficient in some areas. Where can I apply this to my life? Ask yourself that question. Don't, don't close out your phone. Don't shut your Bible without asking the question, how does this matter to me today? And where can I put this into practice today? A lot of you do your Bible reading plan first thing in the morning. That means you have a whole day to let that thing play out in your life somewhere. So, but do you ask do you ask God to say, where does this play out in my day? Fourth thing, it's probably the best thing that you can ask yourself every single time you read your Bible. Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me right now? I, I love this. You ever notice how you read through your Bible multiple times? This is, this is my like, I love y'all that read your Bible every single day on a phone. This is, my, this is my plug for a paper Bible, okay? I love technology. I think technology's great. I don't preach from an iPad, but it's up here when I'm preaching. You know, it's like kind of my security blanket right there. I'm good with technology. But this, every time I read through my paper Bible and I see things that I highlighted, you know what I realize? Man, God is teaching me something new in this season than he was in that season. Like that season was good. That note I wrote is good. It still matters today. But it's so interesting to me how the word is, it's almost like it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce. Because you read it and you're like, oh my gosh, but this is, this is now different in this season. I must have highlighted that before, before I had kids. Now this is, this is landing on me totally different than it did before. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? The word of God is alive. And so we have to ask ourselves every time we read it, God, give me a fresh revelation as I come to your word today. How do you want to teach me today? So we worship, we have worship, Selah and worship, Selah in the word. Here's the last thing I'll say. You need to have spots where you can Selah in your life, just in your life. Uh, like you need moments where you can pause and consider the person and work of Jesus. Let me show it to you in scripture. Second Corinthians 3.18. Paul's writing, he says, and we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. So as, as we take off the mask, as we understand who Jesus has made us to be, as we adopt his righteousness as our own, because he's given it to us uh, by his grace. And, and now we have this, it's like this veil is lifted, right? The God of this, present day and age has blinded us spiritually. And so as we've been saved by Christ now, this veil has been removed, but we're still not perfect. Amen, somebody in church. You're not perfect. That moment the veil comes off and you're like, man, Jesus is real. I want to give my whole life to him. That veil comes off. You're spiritually now able to see. And now we behold Jesus as in we, we, we fix our gaze up on him. And it says, as we do that, that's how we are being transformed into the same image of Jesus. What this is saying is if you want to experience transformation in your life, you have to behold Jesus. And beholding, it doesn't say glance. I love that. I think behold is one of my favorite words in all the Bible because it's not just like, hey, take a, you know, hey, Jesus, how, how you doing up there on your throne, you know? No, it's like, consider it for a little bit. Look at him, gaze, wonder, linger, hang on it for just a little bit. Selah. Let the truth of who Jesus is resonate out in your heart for just a minute. That's how we're transformed from one degree of glory to another. 
So you want to be a better person? You want to get yourself a life plan maybe towards the end of this year? You're like, I'm going to get some things in order, man. I'm going to get work in order. I'm going to get my household in order. I'm going to get some things figured out. Great, get yourself a life plan. You want to be a better parent? Read the books. We don't read books anymore. Get it on the podcast. Listen to all the other people talk about parenting. Do that. You want to be a better coworker? You want to up your game? You want to figure out your side hustle? Do it. Again, listen to the podcast. Read the books. Talk with your friends. Do all that stuff. But if you fail to notice Jesus throughout all of that stuff, at best, all you're going to do is externally modify your behavior, but you're going to lack an inward transformation in your heart. The only way to renew your heart, to be transformed from the inside out, is to gaze upon the person and work of Jesus. Not just spend time in the Word, but to spend time actually also in prayer going, God, what do you want to do with my life? I, I just think we have a culture that does not sit well. We just move and we just go and the accolades of today are busyness and accomplishments and whatever you can do, whatever you can, whatever you can fit on the calendar, you do it. And however busy your kids can be, you get them going. But we don't do well at just sitting. You know how I know this? Because I'm not good at sitting. And I found myself this week, I like pulled up to a red light and I was like, sweet, I can finally check my phone. I'm like, what, are, what am I doing? I'm trying to check my phone, for, trying to get on my email to red light. Guess what? The office isn't going to burn down if I don't check my email on my way home from work. It's still going to be, it's either God's or it's mine. And I don't want it to be mine, so I'm going to leave my email to the side for a little bit. But we don't think that way. We think, man, if I'm not up at 10 o'clock at night responding to that email, texting that person back, calling that person back on a Saturday, I got to get the deal done. I got to keep it moving. That is how we are wired as Americans, is it not? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have some busyness in your life. I think the air in what you could hear right now is like, oh, I need to peel back a little bit for my 20-hour work week. No, 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 no. Like, hey. Please listen to me. You work hard so that when you disengage, it's also significant. We don't want to be lazy. We want to be effective. We want to pour ourselves out, wring ourselves out for the kingdom of God. But we want to do it at a Jesus-driven pace. We don't want to bear all this stuff of accomplishment with our own personal ambition. We want to let the Holy Spirit lead us and drive us to do things that we ought to do. So I, I, would, I would just love to end this service today. We've got one more song to sing, but I'd love to end with just a Selah moment for your heart. Because I, I talk to parents sometimes, they're like, man, I just like, as soon as I check my kids in, like, this is the Selah moment for you and your week, right? You get an hour and a half all to yourself, right? You're just like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I love church. It's so good. There's someone else taking care of my kids, whatever, you know. But listen, like, I, I, I had a week this week. It, it was a doozy. That's the only way I know how to explain it. Uh, Katie and I, praise God, we got to take a week and we got to go play for a little bit with the kids. But what's crazy about when you take a week off, like a lot of you know this, like that work doesn't just go away. It just moves, you know? So I had a lot of work moved this week. I, I had a funeral this week. I had a wedding this week. I had a couple interruptions to my week this week. And I just like, like it was crazy. And I didn't have a moment to just, you know? And so maybe, maybe actually this Salem moment Maybe it's just as much for me as it is for anyone else in this room, but I'm guessing I'm not the only person in this same situation. I'm guessing for a lot of you, life just moves quick. So quick, in fact, that you think you're bored and you have too much time on your hands, but you're just numbing that time by binge watching Netflix or endlessly scrolling on social media. And you don't know how to, you don't know how to sit and be vulnerable and open before the Lord. So you just go and you busily medicate in other places that don't feel like frenetic activity, but they, they are actually. And so what if for just a few minutes here at the end of service, we just surrender ourselves to go, God, I just, I want to encounter you right now. And so I don't, 
Listen, I'm not going to drive this for you. I want the Holy Spirit to lead you in this moment. Maybe you spent a few minutes just reading the word. Maybe it's been longer than you'd like to admit to anyone else in this room since you've read your Bible. You haven't opened that thing since last Sunday, and even then you didn't open it. I opened it for you. It's time for you to start feeding yourself, my friend. Open your Bible. Read it. It's the best thing you could ever spend time reading. Maybe, you know, for a long season of my life, I got really good at reading the Bible, but I had a hard time engaging intimately with the Father in prayer. So maybe right now for just a moment, you just cry out to the Spirit of God, say, God, I I want to want you. Like when we sing this song, nothing else, nothing else will do. I, I want that to be how I actually feel. Maybe you're, maybe you're good, everything's good, spiritual life's good, walk with Jesus is good, pace, rhythm, all of it, it's good. My guess is you're just as eager and primed for this moment as anyone else in the room. Because these are the most refreshing moments that we can have for our souls. So however it looks for you, maybe you spend a moment just engaging with the word. Maybe you spend a moment just engaging in prayer. Maybe you grab the person that you came with today and you just spend a minute talking about the spiritual rhythms in, in your guys' life. I don't know what it looks like. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, and I'm trusting he'll lead us somewhere good. Amen? So, Caleb's going to be up here on the keys. We're going to spend just a few minutes in quiet. I, I love this so much. The, the student ministry, Taylor leads them every single week. Before they start student ministry every week, they have a holy hush. All these high schoolers, are so, they're so attached to their phones, they can't like go a second without checking if they got a snap or whatever. And it's just like, hey, put it all down. Let's just be quiet for a minute. And you said, man, it's like, it's almost visibly uncomfortable for them to sit in silence for a few minutes. And we can laugh at them, but I think that's also probably true for us. We got 15 minutes before the service is supposed to be over. So we're gonna sit here for a few minutes and it might get uncomfortable. You might start engaging with God in prayer and you might run out of things to say. So just sit and wait. Maybe it's your turn actually now not to talk and to throw your requests up. Maybe it's your turn now to listen. All right? So we'll spend a few minutes here. We'll sing one last song together. All right? So let me just start it like this. Spirit of the living God, won't you come? Won't you come? We're here to meet with you. Jesus, you're so good. We're so in awe of you. God, I think at the bottom of every person's heart in here, there is a deep desire to get to know you more deeply, to spend time with you more intimately. God, I think we're well intending, but I think time just goes and weeks just happen and life just has its demands. And so help us this week as we walk out of this room. Would we not just find time? So would we be able to prioritize time to Selah, to hang, to sit and to soak with you? that well, God, we will be transformed as a people. We will continue to be the light of the world that cannot be hidden from the darkness that so catches everything around us, God. And so help us. Help us bear your image well. Help us carry your glory well and help that all begin with us developing time and desire and hunger for the quiet place with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.